here's the fact you can give people but even... why, why 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 didn't you know that why didn't why didn't i know that till well just <clears throat> recently when you give people facts even from their own sources they'll still refute them because <laughs> it doesn't fit their co doesn't, concept again we're getting back you, to you that know original say, idea you know what they will say it, it, it violates their value structure <laughs> exactly right? yeah. what they'll say is like I don't, their world. You know what they'll say? They say, I don't want to go with that uh, because that has a specific context. They'll find arguments. Yeah, oh, arguments. yeah they'll find right. rationalities there. So this is what I'm talking well, that about. that doesn't really relate. Right. A, oh, that was a special circumstance. They'll make excuses. Welcome to the QR Lab. My name's Kuldeep Tagore, and I'm here with my main man, Amr Zeki. The How QR Lab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you did that yesterday. That was a little too much. I came right Today's over even today. better. Today's even better. So this is Dr. Amr Zeki. My name is Kuldeep Tagore. We are here on a quest to try to understand our reality, and we are going to actually continue uh, a discussion that we had on our last episode, and um, it's regarding... The opinion versus fact, right? This is part two today. Yeah, uh, which is which is still kind of puzzling, but I, I I like the topic, and I and I'm glad we're doing this second because I I think this is kind of exactly what this podcast is about. It's sort of like in a nutshell what we're trying to get at, right? Like we're questioning our reality. So obviously, the reality is the fact, but we're questioning it. So therefore, we're what. We're in the realm of maybe opinion, but still trying to utilize all of the fact, all of our faculties, everything we know, music, science, art. Do you think it's like an asymptotic line, like from... You know, oh my gosh. You know, like... Okay, like, so I, like here's disclaimer, fact. we did not discuss this beforehand, but I wanted to bring that up today. Right? It's like it this. It sucks that you said that before I did. No, no, I'm just thinking like... I think, I think truth. I think truth... Is that asymptotic? Is, is the, the line? Is the line? And then this is the opinion getting and fact closer. Fact comes close, right? Humans, hum, human beings' facts are constantly being overturned. That's why we have so many people in disarray and can't agree on something. It's another because, because even if word. you're like, well, the sky is blue. You you can ask a little kid, hey, what color is the sky? And they'll say, <laughs> it's purple. And right. they're like, no, come on, the sky is blue. But then when you go outside, you're at a sunset, and it just happens to be a hazy Sacramento sunset. Is it any coincidence? It looks purple. And they're like, see, Dad, I told you, the, <laughs> the sky is purple. So so when our facts are are so elusive in them of themselves, facts are merely that asymptotic line that's trying to get close to what is the ultimate truth, but we can't quite see it is it any coincidence there's a curtain or there's a veil right we talk about the veil that's right or don miguel ruiz talks about the smoky mirror mm. but here i mean all of this stuff all of these we're we're now trying to draw you and i, I i've noticed as, we, as we've gone through this we're, we're trying to draw from everything we know what can art tell me what can philosophy tell me what can science tell me what can you know this thing we're, we're, we're drawing from all these things and we're trying to bring it together and trying to take it and trying to get as close as we can to that line. That's right. right. That's what the QR Lab's about, right? In fact, that could that be the symbol. That may be the longest introduction I've ever given no, no. to the QR Lab, but that is it. It could be like a symbol. And this is a penult penultimate episode. <laughs> well, I just have to say that, is it any wonder that the word fact is just yet another four-letter word that starts with F? <laughs> 
did you did you deliberately wait till I was yes. like gonna drink something? It nearly came through my nose. Well, gosh darn it! I mean, it, it, is that not true? And and the re- obviously facts are important, right? But facts are a double edged sword because you know we know from science that today's fact is tomorrow's you know delusion, right? Uh, knowledge evolves. We actually had a podcast on this, right? Facts are the little fruits on the tree. The branch is a branch of knowledge. Then it coalesces into the trunk, which goes down underground into the roots, which is uh, reaching towards the truth, which is hidden and deep. And so, you yeah, know, I, lo- I love that metaphor. Yeah, I love just, that. It's very interesting. So, a fact, you know, people use facts like bullets, like they're trying to browbeat you into believing something. It's about winning an argument. Yeah. And the thing is, that's just ego. Because if you really want to get to the bottom of something, a person who disagrees with you is a wonderful gift to you because now you have an opportunity to really sharpen your ideas, your mind, and you need somebody who's a polemic, someone who's a naysayer, someone who just wants to argue for the sake of argument. Hopefully it's not that superficial, but someone's going to come in and say, I don't like this idea. This idea is bad for reasons X, Y, and Z. Now, you have two options when you face such a person. One option would be, to just, from an egotistical standpoint, to want to dominate and win and defeat, et cetera, and have glory, that nobody wins from that. The ego is just a, you know, a bundle of experiences. It's a shadow of what is real. The better response, which is really the other option, is to listen very carefully and intently to what that person is doing and saying and to study them. And then extract from all that information what they're actually saying the underlying premise or the thesis of their argument and begin at that foundation and begin to question that. But but imagine how secure one would have to be with oneself in order to perform that task. That's correct. You, because as soon as you're allowing, right? We've talked about how the word or, or language is a mechanism of implanting an idea in your brain. Okay. That's right. And it's sort of like the concept in Christopher Nolan's Inception. As soon as that idea is in your brain, what what sort of idea will become available? What 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 will what will become real? How will it shake you? What if what I'm saying, like, listen to what you just said. You said you would have to, you know, sit and really listen to somebody and take it in and and folk. But what if they're saying something that is very offensive to you? That's okay. No, but it's not because. You're going to get emotionally riled up by this because it's challenging. Remember we talked That's about right. core values? Correct. Oh, yes, we did. You're right. Right? Like core values, threatening somebody's core values is akin to like a physical altercation. Well, kind of. Well, yes and no. I, the brain is not able to discern between the two threats. Well, you're right. However, that's true. If it gets that bad, there's, there's a limit to how much, say, vitriol and caustic profanity you can handle, right? So, so my only point is so, just saying that yeah. think about the level of sophistication that would be required. Kind of, you wouldn't expect this from a very young person. Well, I mean, patience, patience is also part of it. <clears throat> you know, y- you would have to have, and, and then I, I feel like as people get older, it becomes difficult again because they, <laughs> you know, try to change somebody who's older, try to change their mind. I mean, they are so locked in. They're not going to change their mind easily. I mean, it would take a very... So as soon as you start to listen to somebody and and try to really take their idea in, you sort of spoke on the last podcast 
about how, you know, when somebody gave you sort of their perspective of the nature of God, how that you took it on for 24 hours and how that actually affected you almost to the point of like, it sounded like you were physically ill, like, right. But maybe more just feeling like it, it just ruined your outlook on everything. So you're like, I no, I have to reject this. This is not the way I see the world. This is not the way I see the nature. Of you God. have the right to, to um, consider, explore, reject, or accept various hypotheses. As a human being, in fact, you have an obligation to do that. And then you have to experience that and see how it feels to your consciousness, because your consciousness is connected to something deeper, and it's telling you the truth of what you are and where you belong. So you have to experience different things. See, the analytical intellectual mind is like a little child, a little infant that's got a big mouth, but the observing, aware mind is the adult in the room. I, I really like that because, you know, children are like this, right? They don't hesitate to ask questions. They don't, they're not embarrassed by their questions. They keep talking. And sometimes, almost in a way, they keep talking like they know what they know. <laughs> well, there's know. adults like this, right? Oh, for sure. But they yeah. we call them gaslighters. But um, no, but children are very, very apt to that. I think that's a very nice way of putting it. And then you said, so and the analytical intellectual mind is the child and the observer of reality is... The awareness is the, is the quiet observer that sees everything and, and takes in that, everything. Is that the adult? That is the adult room, which is actually your consciousness. Your conscious mind is an observing entity that looks and observes... And it speaks to you, right? The intellectual analytical mind, you're almost disembodied when you're in that state. That's why you find a lot of intellectual people, these kind of college professor types who, you know, are talking at parties or they're having their little intellectual arguments. They don't even seem like real people. And that's why that, like the average working man doesn't connect with them because they're not embodied. But who's an embodied person? A person who works with his hands, a blacksmith, somebody who's out in nature, somebody who's artistic, they're in themselves. They are aware and they're in themselves. They're not out of their mind. So an intellectual person is disembodied. They, they don't even, they're not even, they don't even feel like they're here. Like kids. It, well, I, in a way, I mean, that, that's just an analogy, but... No, but... but go, go, talk, go talk to somebody who's, you know, they say salt of the earth people, and then go talk to a very highly intellectual person. You're going to notice a distinct difference in the energetic space and how you interact with them and your connection to that person. Because a, a purely intellectual person will judge you, and you can only connect with them on an intellectual level. And let me tell you, every time I've played that game, I don't like those people, and I don't like the kind of person that I become around them. And why is that? Because it doesn't seem real. Hmm. It's about facts and winning arguments and things like that. It's about what they know. It's about all this showing off nonsense. I don't give a damn about that. There, there's no effort at really deriving a conclusion. So there's no presence because the person you're looking at, you're not actually looking at them. They're not actually listening. There's nobody driving the car there. They're listening. It's not going anywhere. They're listening for faults in order to make logical... What's the point? Exactly. Yeah. The, 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 the better way to be is to get to know the person, find out what their dreams and hopes are, what are their values, and then when you engage in ideas that are maybe on an intellectual level... 
you have already descended from the higher level, which is the level of presence, the level of connection. Then you descend into the intellectual space. And after that, when you're done playing in that sandbox, then you go back up to the higher level. Yet we are all trained to value this lower level, which is the level of the intellect. That is not the highest state of mind we can be at. It's not. The intellect plus this sort of awareness Correct. of our reality. Like th those are, That's right. and it's not just an awareness, it's experiential. It's, it's not right? intellectual. I mean, you're only aware of it because you've actually experienced the world. You've so, paid so, attention. So it's like, you know, Mark yeah. Twain said about travel, right? I mean, you know, if you really yeah. want to let go of your prejudices, travel. Right. Uh, that's very true. paraphrasing. Very, very, very true. But the idea there is that by creating more experiences for yourself, you are going to, you know, start closing off that, you know, that sort of uh, right. spin cycle there with the, yeah, it's, the it's intellect. It's part of the competitive culture that we're in. You know, you, different cultures don't don't really behave this way. They don't have, you know, this kind of arguments about. Anyway, it's my observation. <clears throat> Some people may disagree. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but you know we see this in our own medical practice, right? We we see this these kind of characters. The person shall go unnamed, but you remember when we were residents, the the person who got released from his position at UC Davis was the epitome of that kind of Machiavellian. I don't want to say pseudo intellectual because he was smart, but he used his knowledge and intellect like a dagger. Yeah. And he would cut these poor trainees down, and you and I would just look at him and laugh at him because we would argue with him. We would defeat him at his own game, and we had no fear of him. So, you know, short of taking a bat and, you know, breaking a few kneecaps, you know, he had no influence. He had no ability because he's dealing with men, not children. And so when you're a little tiny, narcissistic you know what, and you come into the presence of a man who's got his hand on the sword, all you can do... <laughs> I mean, said so the punchline You sound here. like you're in a Tarantino movie. I'm like... <laughs> okay, so we kind of got lost there in the woods there, but I, I, I gather what you're saying is that you know when when people are are just continually pursuing the intellect, they're doing so for egotistic reasons. Really, to they, they may of, not realize it. They may not realize yeah. this, but and and they and and obviously society has some value, assigns value to this because they think of them as wow, this is somebody who's really misplaced value, right? But then we we don't appropriately assign value to people who are maybe artists, you know, li living living the world the way. You know, it right. it uh, it is common, even common people, rather than talking about right. lofty intellectual concepts or trying to trying to maneuver or master people through those those mechanisms. Trying to put yourself in a position of superiority that is unearned. Okay, and I consider that maybe unearned is not the right word, but it's like why why would you why would why do these people feel superior to other people? Yeah, and you know they do feel this way because the intelligentsia and the ac academia sets national policies, right? Educational policies, they're in government, they're in politics, they're in the think tanks. That world, they they have a certain axe to grind. That that kind of, you know, uh, 
that cohort of people. Um, and um, it's fun to debate them and argue with them and to defeat them at their own game. But what they don't realize is they're dealing with somebody who doesn't care for that, somebody who's more I I, you know, I was going to say, engaged. what's the value of even defeating even the concept of I will defeat a person like this. Is there such a thing? Well, like, uh, I mean, let, let, let's just say, you know, somebody, if their is, argument is bad, it should be countered is all I'm saying. I'm not saying it for ego. I'm saying if they're making an argument that that should be retorted, then do that. I, I would argue that these people are never defeated. I would argue just somebody else picks up the mantle, <laughs> you know, and, and just continues. But, yeah. but should it be brought out and brought to the day, you know, the day of the light of day? Yes. Um, right. You know, I mean, you can't let dangerous ideas, wrong ideas become pervasive and correct, right? Because eventually you get into a situation of the emperor's new clothes. Okay, this is relevant. These people are having arguments about some intellectual, the field they're in, right? They're debating facts or so-called facts. And I know characters like this that they will cite some paper or they'll cite some fact. And in like three months, it's completely like irrelevant or is defunct. Their joy, their understanding uh, is not deeper because it's it's kind of, it's on the surface of whatever the, the latest and the greatest and the newest finding, which is fine, okay? But a better way to be is to take that information and to integrate it into your own mental conceptual landscape of what that issue is. And the only way to do that is to have thought deeply about the problem or the, the concept you're dealing with, right? So let's say you're some disease expert, okay? You can be the kind of person that just uh, reads that paper, that paper, that paper, that paper. There's people like this who can quote this, but they don't actually have insight. They don't have insight because there's a lot of noise in that mental space. If you ask them a few questions, you'll quickly realize they don't understand a thing. They can quote this and quote that, but they have no understanding. There's a difference between insight, knowledge, and then just knowing this paper or that paper. There are people like this, and you see them all the time. You're surrounded by them, especially in our profession and in the, you know, in, in, in the ac academia. I find a rare professor who has an awareness and a deeper, uh, you know, sort of foundation that is actually impressive when you deal with them. Very, very few, unfortunately. And what I mean by impressive is that they have dimensionality to who they are and what they know and their creativity and what they bring about that thing. Now, somebody might listen to this and say, you know, hey, this person is looking down. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying there are levels to people. And there are levels to their capacities, and there, I believe there are uh, levels that you ought to aspire to because you're in a better state as a human being. It's more positive to interact with people at those levels than it is at what I consider our lower levels, and that's just my my perspective on it. I would rather have a discussion on something that gets at core issues, at deeper concepts where I can really engage and learn than to talk about things superficially where, you know, this person gets that point and this person gets that point and this person is quoting that and quoting this. We can all quote books or philosophers or papers or facts. That's not what makes a person have insight. A person has insight 
when they struggle and spend time and blood, sweat, and tears over whatever that issue is, and they reflect deeply on it, on not just an intellectual level, but on an artistic level, on a, on a consciousness level, on a philosophical level, on a level that almost has no words that describe it. Yeah, I mean, you talked about this in the last podcast when you discussed how there is almost a psychological need for some people to just be correct or right with their worldview. And it's, it, you know, it's almost like a pathology to not see the truth, right? Because you will continue to engage in opinions and quote-unquote alternative facts. I, I, I don't even know how that... W- or cherry-picked facts. How those two you know. words, alternative facts, ended up <laughs> in our lexicon. I mean, it's, it seems very antithetical to even the concept that we're trying to derive here. It's like, well, you have your facts, I have mine. And so mine are just alternative facts. This is widely accepted now. I mean, it's it was derided and you know made fun of when it was initially said. We're just or, cherry picking, or, or became yeah, essentially, it's cherry picking in order to create you know your argument. And whoever has the best argument wins. But what is at stake here? And I, which by the way is antithetical to the scholarly spirit of somebody who's a true scholar. No, this is not about being. I don't think anything. No, no here's what would, I mean. Yeah, let, yeah. let me qualify that. The scholarly attitude, I'm not talking about somebody who's a professor who's writing People books. People do not live the world by no. the scholarly attitude. Okay, no, no, but hear me out. It's very Nobody simple. Nobody does. It's a simple attitude. You're right, but but it's, here's the simple attitude. Be aware of the pros and cons about that thesis and that argument. Be aware of all the things that you don't like to believe in that are actual facts that are opposing what you want to believe in. Know them all. Know the whole ball. Know the whole sphere. All right, you may believe this, but you have to be aware of all this other stuff. That's a scholarly attitude. So when that person comes from that camp, and they're presenting to you data that is opposing your framework, you can actually consider it. You can live in that space. You can then think about it. You can incorporate some of it. You can reject some of it. But then you'll have a fair and just approach to that issue, at least from the perspective of I've considered it. Here's why I think it's not good or good, regardless of what the truth actually is, right? But that's a more scholarly attitude. Now, if everybody did that, they're going to be much more willing to consider opposing ideas and not go to war. Yeah. Think about the scholars that did all the work looking at the issues of climate change. Right. Right? I mean, there's a tremendous body of work there. Scholarly work, academic work, people out in the field people with mathematical models who have looked at this. And yes, I guess at the end of the day, it's an opinion. It's it's a... It's a perspective. It's a prediction. Yeah. But at what point do the numerous papers, the overwhelming reproducible nature of those papers, 99.4% in agreement, unequivocally, human beings are causing climate change. Nope. The most controversial thing I can say. Right? Well, they're at least. They're at least I mean, like, I will yeah. probably, you know, we'll probably have at least, yeah. you know, how many people that will absolutely disagree with that comment. Well, the, the interesting thing about it, and, and I've struggled with this issue for a long time, as you know, because I've seen different experts and scientists talk about it in different reports. The conclusion I came to uh, is that we actually don't know the contribution. precisely meaning there are models that make it look really bad and models that don't make it so bad. The question is, which is true? 
but but here's the rub because we don't actually understand because what happens is the the cold regions on the planet the, the polar ice caps they actually absorb a lot of the heat and there it turns out that those models that like those predictions are not there's not great agreement on that and people don't really know exactly that issue but they know there's contribution so the conclusion i came to was this because we actually can't be certain, because some of it is, is coming from the solar, you know, cycles and yeah. things like that. But but what got me really sort of thinking about this topic and, and almost changing my mind is because we don't actually understand the human contribution, we can't be certain about it. It's best to be conservative and, and have better controls of our emissions, right? Uh, it, it, that is because you're dealing with a, with a potential well, I, unknown. But I, but I would argue <clears throat> that it's because we can ascertain the human contribution that we right. should be taking that position, not right. not because we can't fully ascertain, we have ascertained. This is yeah. my point. I'm not here yeah, to yeah, discuss yeah. climate yeah. change. Right. I'm here to tell you that even in a subject as narrowly divided as this, in regards to the academic literature, there's no question. There is zero question. Like no other. You would not make any of the medical decisions that you make to get, you know, for patients, you know, right. if you didn't have a certain level of confidence, assurance, and right. confidence. You, this is that level of confidence. Well, here's what's interesting about it. So, so it should inspire people to to act and right. to move and to at least consider to to legitimately consider all of the variables and see. Here's the rub. This is where fact versus opinion starts to really become so important for you and me and our audience or anybody in this world to understand is that people have motivations. Those motivations drive their opinions. They drive their actions. I was going to ask you that. Exactly. Okay. I was going to ask why they do that. Why do they think it that? Is, they're motivated by their own selfish reasons. They have, they have a psychological need to if, believe if the opposite, right? If you're them, yes. That's and the see, point. That, 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 that was the point you made yesterday, I think, about the psychological need to be right because it so you discussed yesterday value structures and how you know they're substructure to— They will deny to, 99% of the right. data— and go after the 1%. You know why? Because that's the cherry picking that fits their psychological need. So this is what I'm talking about. When you're dealing with the issue of like the confrontation between opinion and fact or the relationship, right? what is their psychological need? Why do they hold that premise for that thesis? So you, have to, be able, you have to be able to argue. Okay, so let's just say it's there's no... Well, there are facts. But obviously, I think what happens is you gather facts... See, we, we tend to think of this. There's opinion out here and there's fact out here. No. Y you gather facts to create opinions. Those opinions... They pre-exist. <laughs> that's that's right. Yes. That's the problem. Right. That's actually brilliant what you said. I completely uh, I agree with that assessment because they have a psychological need. That's the foundation. That's the beginning. Right. They have a psychological need. I need to prove I have a, that my company yeah. is not... Going I, to destroy the world. I believe, yeah. So deeper, <laughs> deeper is they, you have diagnosed the problem because they have a psychological need. It's needy. It's hungry for a certain worldview, a certain perspective. That hunger is so deep, it can lead to violence. So what happens? They then go to the next level. They get information and facts, information and facts. They will cherry pick. They'll throw that fact away. They'll throw that fact away. They'll take this fact that's not... You know, and they will build a evidence base and structure 
to then rest that opinion on. However, the bottom line is it all came from that deeper psychological need. So all you're dealing with is people have different consciousnesses and levels of awareness who have psychological needs that are very deep, and they go all the way back to their birth, maybe even before so, then. So more importantly, I think what we're, we're learning here is that truth is not important to everybody. Well, no, no, no. I wouldn't say that, at least in my opinion. I would say there are little T's for little truths that are ours. Yeah. Then there yeah. is the big truth that people eventually get to or may not get to, but there is a truth, like a big truth out there. I don't know. It just seems like if you're not if you're not living your life to try to, you know, I mean, almost in every aspect, try to adhere to that right. that mindset, then you know it's very easy to to live all of your life in this complete illusion like that. Yeah, but it becomes you know, very easy right. if you're if you're lying here at work because you know you're a lawyer and that's what you're supposed to do for this company and just go and lie or this client who is you know being evicted. You know, sorry, evicted, indicted, <laughs> who's been indicted, you know, on, yeah. let's just say, 91 counts of criminal misconduct. You, you have a need to just go and lie. That's what they teach them to do in law school, actually. That's yeah, that's part that of their... just seems... <laughs> no, they teach them how to manipulate and how to use facts so that it doesn't seem like lying, but it actually is. Yeah, well, you're supposed to give your... your well, that's then that that, that really d- depends on the uh, the other side, right? Like... Yeah, I mean, you have to give the it's best defense. You have to give the best defense for your client that you can give, right? Like, which that's which your means job. lie, cheat, and steal, and use deception to well, get the jury well, to vote. Stealing, stealing is against the law. So you can't. I mean, you're yeah, gonna get. You know what I mean. No, but I mean, but can you? You know, I, I I agree. I don't think you can lie, but I think what you can do is bring out, like, let's say that they didn't read the Miranda rights, or they, you know, yeah. like. Manipulation. Like, They're all manipulations. Well, I mean, it's still within the confines of the law. They're trying right? to win. Yeah, but but they're using the law to win. They're not using lies. They shouldn't be. If there's a loophole and you figure it out, like that's too bad, dude. That I, that was I, that's I, the law. The law. So they, not, the law yeah. then needs to be amended. Correct. Right? Yeah. The, the law is not the law, based. The on, law is not permanent. We well, can you can change correct. it. The, the law is not always based on a moral order. No. It's it's informed by that, but not always solidly that way. So things are shifting. It's like standing on sand. You know, it's that's why you know a guy who's like a killer, but can afford the best lawyers in the world, all of a sudden gets off scot free, because I mean, it's so interesting. We're talking about law now. I'm glad we got into this because I wanted it to affects yesterday. law. It no, affects it because opinion and fact. Right? Same thing. What are they yeah. doing in a courtroom? They're manipulating what is fact and what is opinion. No, they're they're manipulating opinion. They're taking facts, correct, and then assembling them in a way. To manipulate what do you think jury selection is about? And then the juries go, I don't know whose opinion no. is more right. I guess we're going to have to go with... What is jury selection about? It's about assessing the psyche, the psychological that's... state of each juror. Yeah. Because they understand that's what it comes yeah. down to. And that's kind of, you know, it was interesting in the movie The Devil's Advocate, how that was actually... Great film. Uh, Keanu Reeves, it was the young lawyer. That was his skill. Yeah. He, that was his skill. He, right. he could pick the juries. And then uh, when Al Pacino, as the devil, asked him later, he says, how are you so good at doing that? He said, well, you know, at this courthouse, I would go into the bathroom and there was a hole in the wall that was directly into the jurors, um, you know, debating room. Meeting room, yeah. So he could hear what the jurors were talking and how they were thinking. So he's cheating. 
right? I mean, he's wow. cheating. But I this was his that. secret wow. about how he was so good at jury selection. He could look at somebody and be like, oh, no, don't choose that guy. You know, his his shirt says one thing, but look at his shoes. Nobody wears shoes like that. That guy is going to put our guy to jail, right? So he could look at people and know yeah. just based on assessing those things. Again, what I'm getting at here is in in a in a courtroom in 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 the court of law we are essentially gathering facts right there's this whole period in law called discovery what are they doing there that's right well, right let's let's see what, what this is where you what are your facts what are my facts depositions like, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know so let's bring it all out let's see what you got and then that's when the lawyers do their, their magic, magic trick and this is why I, i'm jealous i would love to be an attorney or be in the room when they're deciding th- this part how to put the case together and how to present it and how to win <laughs> I, you know i did i did <laughs> right did. i mean like there's something very clear there's right. very clear in the law there's a winner and a loser every time every time every even time. if it, even if it goes to a hung jury or, they go again <laughs> they do it again no but but that's a win for for one or the other sure depending that's on right. the, uh, that's depending correct. on the situation yeah. it's it there is always a winner and a loser right and so you keep <laughs> marching down this pathway but what if you do so in a way that is you you you're so far off the mark now yeah because of precedent after precedent after being wrong that's right like th- this is this is why the law is so and we sort of deride it i think you know you make the, the you know you hear the kids making the jokes like what do you call a hundred lawyers at the bottom of the ocean you know like, it's a good start you know i don't I apologize to any law people out there but my my perspective is just that it, it does matter. The, the law matters. And, and how we apply it, how we argue it, and how close we adhere to facts that adhere and, and create opinions that are as close as they can law be is, is, to the truth. Right. right? I mean, law is you, one of the pillars of society. So, so even like in a debate about abortion, right? Fact or, fact or opinion. Life starts right at creation. Fact or opinion. Right. Do you know? See, you might have yeah. your feelings about it, right? You might have your opinions about it. You might even say, well, it's the absolute word of, I think, God that said that, you know. Or you can but, make arguments. You can make biological or, arguments. Or you can make arguments. And then you find, you look in the Bible, and, and you find there's a passage that actually references a real abortion mm. and, and sanctifies it. So mm. where are you going with your religious argument here? Because... God has already said in... I don't know about that, actually. I'll bring it up for you. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. there, There's a passage in the Bible that... See, it shocks people, right? Because yeah. this is not something that they always... They, they they bring about. But again, just like trying to figure out, you know, fact and opinion on the most difficult topics. When well, does life begin? <laughs> but remember, remember, let, let's take the abortion it's tough. issue. It's Let, tough. No, no, take the abortion I'm not issue. taking a stance here. I'm just... No, no, I'm it's just, okay. Yeah. But just conceptually, it's a difficult topic for people, right? People get worked up over it for and on both sides, but if you think about it, people have an immediate reaction to it because there's a psychological need, there's a belief, there's a there's a moral injunction or perspective on it, right? Yeah. So that's why, again, the opinion is formed after the fact, right? Yeah. So it's in Numbers, in the Bible. There's a Numbers 5.11 to 28, Apaches, they basically, you know, I I would, it, I, I don't even want to get into it right here because it's really long. 
Yeah, I mean, the whole point is we want to get back to the focus here, which is the opinion and fact. The line at times seems blurred. The question no, is... No, but the, the relevance of pointing it out in the Bible is to say a lot of people make their decisions based on religious reasons, but actually in the Bible there is an abortion. Well, listen, but here's the fact. You can give people... But even... why, 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 why didn't you know that? Why didn't, why didn't I know that till well, just <clears throat> recently? When you give people facts, even from their own sources... They'll still refute them because it doesn't fit their <laughs> doesn't, concept. Again, we're getting back to you, you that know original idea. Do you know what they will say? It, it, val- it violates their value structure. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. What they'll say is like, it I don't. Violates their world. You know what they'll say? They say I don't want to go with that uh, because that has a specific context. They'll find arguments. Yeah. Oh, arguments. yeah. They'll find right. rationalities. There. So this is what I'm talking well, that about. That doesn't really relate. Right. A, oh, that was a special circumstance. They'll make excuses. <laughs> right. We all do this. Now here's why. It's down to their value structure, which is related to their psychological need, because values are so deep that it creates psychological valleys and caves and volcanoes and and oceans, and you can get lost in those. So, so <clears throat> I, I, I want to ask you, you know, we talked about values, and I, and I hate to feel like I might be going in circles here, but, but what informs those values? Isn't it the... Opinions and facts that you grow up with, or like that you're it's, taught, or it's, I mean, it's yes and no. I I think from what I've been able to, you know, understand and develop is it's really two things. One, it's your nature, the nature of your consciousness, and that you're sort of born with. Then there is the environment. The environment ha- has definite inputs, so it's an amalgamation of those. And as you evolve in your life, as you have life experiences, as you gain knowledge, as you discover who you are and what your moral, you know, order is or understanding, those things are evolving over time. I can tell you personally, the abortion opinions I've held throughout my life have have changed slightly. There's been some evolution in the belief system. And and do you know what it paralleled? I'm going to tell you exactly what it paralleled. My opinion on the abortion issue paralleled my understanding of the nature of life and the nature of reality. And and I keep making this statement. Why is it important to understand or at least to struggle to understand the nature of, of reality and truth? Is because it helps you solve these questions and these problems. It'll actually give you a perspective and and information to be able to make a decision that is resting on solid ground, whatever that solid ground is, whatever the source is. And for me, the parallel development has been on what is the nature and purpose of life? What is the nature of of humanity? What is the nature of reality? Why are we here? Where are we going? When you start thinking about those things, then in that context, you can render an opinion. But rendering an opinion because your pastor or your, your religious book or whatever told you by itself is not good enough. It may be. You can say, you know, in my religious community, that's what the injunction is, that's what the thing is, and that's what we're going to do. This is the Word of God. That's fine. You can hold that position. But a, a deeper thing to do is to go a layer below and a layer below and to tr- really try to look at the problem from as many perspectives as possible, to try and understand all of the shades of possibilities of meaning. And the reason, another reason it's important, not just for you personally, but for our society. How are you going to structure laws that are there to adjudicate many different value systems and many different beliefs? So this becomes a really difficult problem. 
And so <clears throat> sometimes I'm actually shocked that we even have laws that people agree to. Right. Right? I mean, like, we have laws that are in the books that people will agree to, and some will debate them, some will want to change them. Legislators are constantly making laws and refuting other ones. But it's almost a microcosm or a microcosm, excuse me, a macrocosm of the microcosm of a single human being what's inside of you. Because there is a law structure within you, right? There are certain things that you are willing and not willing to do. That is your law. Now you put that against the law of the land, and you you begin to see where conflict will arise, and that's why there's law enforcement, where the law of the you're subservient to the law of the land. The law of the land will enforce the law using violence, and that violence can take the form of uh, tickets, where you make a payment, or you go to prison, or they execute you. Right. <laughs> that's that's how it works. So, an individual human being to be truly free. And to truly be engaged in strength in life, to be able to speak things and be able to defend them, has to go through this, has to go through this process of understanding what is the nature of life? What is the nature of... That's the whole point of the QR lab, right? Oh, man. Nice way to bring it back. (laughs) That was perfect. There's very little that else I can say tonight on this subject. I feel somewhat uh, tasked by it. Almost feel like we could, this could be its own podcast. <laughs> it could be like a podcast, like yeah, those Russian right. dolls, a podcast within a podcast within a podcast within. Yeah, so uh, that's it. Um, we'll be back. There's a lot more to discuss. Until then, pause. Bring it. Give yourself time and effort. And it will become clear. Give it. (laughs) The QR Lab. We want to emphasize that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely our own, and they do not reflect the official policies or positions of our employers and places of employment or any of their affiliates. Additionally, our discussions on this podcast should not be considered professional advice or endorsements of any particular organizations, products, or individuals. We're here to share our thoughts and stimulate conversation, but we encourage you to do your own research and form your own opinions.